I really just want somebody who's going to aggressively fight for me in court. Is that too much to ask? Filing an eviction should not be complicated. There's got to be an easier way. Nothing frustrates me more than having to wait for my attorney to call me back. I need them now. What I really need from my law firm is someone who can provide my staff training so we actually can stay out of trouble. When you have property management problems, we have your solutions. This is the Zona Law Group podcast with the experienced attorneys from Zona Law. And we are back here today. I am Mark Zinman with the Zona Law Podcast, and I'm joined today by Courtney Levinas. And Courtney, just for the viewers that don't know, what is your job? Well, I am the president and CEO of the Arizona Multi-Housing Association. So that really makes you the brains of the operation, right? Wow. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how long have you been in the industry? So I have actually worked with um, AMA for about 21 years in one capacity or another. That is incredible. And that... I was 12. <laughs> started. Exactly. I should say I just had my birthday last week, so I'm getting older as we go. Um, so what kind of stuff, everybody knows of the AMA, but what in terms of maybe they know more about the golf tournament, maybe know about the tributes, what what does the AMA mean to you? So Arizona Multi-Housing Association was essentially put into place um, 45 years ago to promote the industry. Um, and actually, advocacy was its primary function then, and it is today. We were we were developed to um, fight rental tax at the state level, and uh, were successful. And then AMA grew from there. Yeah, and then you've had certain things like rent control as well. I'm assuming has been a fight that you've had for years ongoing. Mm-hmm. You've been successfully addressing that. So how do you successfully address those things? Like when you say, "Oh, we've been successful addressing rent control," what does that mean? How does that happen? It's years and years of work in developing relationships with elected officials and key staff um, at the legislature and in virtually all of the municipalities and um, just just working with stakeholders to make sure that elected officials understand the ramifications behind their policy decisions and um, advocate for the industry so that we are fairly regulated but not over-regulated so that it becomes a burden. Yeah, and it's really trying to just set a fair playing field, correct? Exactly. And so uh, we'll get to, obviously, Governor Ducey's recent order um, addressing evictions. Um, but that, I mean, to some extent, that comes out of nowhere, correct? But you have to be involved before you get there, mm-hmm. correct? How does that work? So the executive order, to a certain extent, did come out of nowhere. Um, we were consulted on it. We didn't get to see the executive order before it was issued. Um, however, we were able to work with the governor's staff to actually make some pretty significant changes. So um, as challenging as we think this executive order is, um, it's in place for 120 days, there were provisions originally included that would have been even worse for our industry. So for example... I'm curious. I have to ask the question. Can you give us an example? So for example, um, in original drafts, they wanted to include um, no evictions for any default judgments. And you know, across the board, across the board, and that, you know how many default judgments there devastating. are. Devastating. Yeah. I mean, we estimate probably anywhere 75, 80%, maybe on cases or defaults. So you're saying you just couldn't proceed on those cases Correct. at all. Yeah. That would have obviously killed the industry, mm-hmm. killed the leverage. Cause what I think there's a lot of bad information out there right now. And I kind of want to go through that with you and call it a state of the industry, if you right. will take today is to explain, kind of clear up a lot of the confusion of, for me, at least, I think a lot with evictions, when you're filing the case, like you have your notice, you file the notice, you file the case, and it 
motivates tenants to come contact you. Mm-hmm. So you're pushing the ball forward and hopefully getting the people at the table to pay their rent. Right. It's not advantageous for landlords to have vacant units. The eviction doesn't help them. Quite the opposite. Exactly. So I think if they had gone that route and just shut down all defaults, it would have been horrible, correct? Correct. So what is it then? What is the alternative? What, what did we end up with? So th- while the executive order is still a little bit confusing, and I think for, for individuals who either aren't in our industry, so our residents, um, or just the general public, they don't really understand what this executive order does. So the order itself is in place for 120 days, where you know the media and some are getting it wrong is they think that nobody can be evicted for at least 120 days. And that's not the case. It's essentially, there's a few categories and they're all COVID related. If you have a resident who um, obviously is diagnosed with COVID or they are taking care of another family member who is diagnosed, um, if you have somebody who has been mandated by their doctor to self-quarantine or self-isolate, um, and then if you have individuals that are financially impacted. So those are the categories that a resident could fall into. Um, and there could be an eviction delay. The eviction delay is not for 120 days. The eviction delay is for the period of time that they meet one of those qualifications. So if you have an individual who self-quarantined for 14 days because they had come into contact with another person that had COVID, after their self-quarantine period is over, they're no longer eligible under the executive order. So they could be evicted. And again, same with somebody who is substantially financially impacted. Um, If they get another job or if they start collecting um, the $840 a week in unemployment, they may no longer be considered um, qualified under the executive order and they may be subject to an eviction. So it's very confusing, I think, for the general public and those who don't really understand the court process and how um, evictions proceed. Yeah, and I think that because a lot of people, and we'll, the stimulus package is separate, right? So if you're governed by the federal, the CARES Act, that's entirely different. Separate. Today, we're just talking about the, the Ducey's executive order, really, is that if they came out, I've heard reports all over the place, you just can't do an eviction for 120 days. And that's just flat out incorrect. I mean, Ducey's order specifically, I'm guessing because of you and you know your, your engagement, is that the case, the notices can go forward, the evictions through a judgment can go forward. You can even get the writ unless it's one of those categories that you just talked about and even that doesn't include um immediates or Mm non-compliances right that was a very important provision so i'm assuming (laughs) well that came in as i mean they reference it i mean the average person may not know is the statute for non-compliances and immediates is 33 13 68 right right which is what the governor put in there i'm assuming that came from you correct that did yeah um and so the reality is it's a matter of working with the residents Mm -hmm. if those ones are affected there's that temporary delay. That's Correct. what the language is used, right? Correct. That is not 120 days. It is not. And okay. that's what I think is so confusing out there. And not to be, theoretically, there could be a case where somebody does get delayed that long. Um, if they're sick and then they're financially impacted, if they're not getting their federal benefits, if they're not able to work, there could be a potential for that. Um, we would think those situations might be few and far between. But most importantly, I think it's important to understand that our, our owners and property management companies are working with their residents. Um, they are working out partial payment plans. They're deferring rent. They're waiving fees. Um, I am, you know, 
this industry never ceases to amaze me um, at how good and generous they are. Um, they really care about their residents. They don't want to see anybody displaced during a public health emergency. It's not and so they are bending over backwards to, to work with residents and make sure they can stay in their homes. So as an AMA, as an industry, though, is also like pushing partial payments, right? Pushing the communication mm-hmm. level. So I think a lot of what's missing right now or what's been fed wrong is the education side, right? And that's right. where the AMA really comes in well for its members. So you guys have the website, right? So what mm-hmm. what's what's being updated on so the website? So we have, it's, it's actually getting to be a little bit overwhelming, but um, on the AMA webpage, we have a, a page specifically just dedicated to COVID-19 now um, and resources for for owners, for property management firms, um, and resources that they can share with their residents so um, their residents can understand what federal and state benefits they might be eligible for. Okay, and maybe maybe I'm catching you off guard, so yep. excuse if I am. What kind of benefits are there out there for residents that they can go and get this information? Because I think if we can have members and apartments give that information mm-hmm. to the tenants, it'll help. So what is out it there? It will. It will. There's there's actually a lot of relief coming. So from a federal level, um, you know, it's been widely reported that um, if you made less than 75000 or 150000 as a as a married household, then you're eligible up to um, 2400 and then 500 per child. So they're estimating those payments will be made in the next... Um, Three to four weeks, and that's like a and that's like a direct twenty four hundred. That's just a check that the person receives. That is, if you filed your twenty eighteen taxes, it's a check that's either going to go directly deposited into your account if you paid your taxes right out of your bank account, or a check will be mailed to you. I mean, that's incredible, and that's where I think the management should definitely be working with mm-hmm. their tenants, knowing that those funds it's are coming. coming. Exactly. It's coming. And under federal law, obviously, as we said, under the stimulus package, they may not be able to charge late fees. That's Mm -hmm. not part of the Ducey executive order, correct? That is not part of the order. Correct. And so I think um, going back to what you were mentioning before in terms of the people that are impacted, Mm -hmm. what they have to do is you said the categories, somebody's been financially Mm -hmm. impacted, medically impacted. If they are claiming that, let's say the landlord's gone through the process, they've served their notice, they haven't heard anything, they filed the eviction, haven't heard anything, they get the judgment, when does that come in, like the, the document side? What it, what documents are even required? In fact, that was, I don't know if anybody tuned into the town hall last night, but the governor, there was some miscommunication on the, the requirement. Um, it was indicated that a resident doesn't have to show proof that they have been impacted by COVID in order to get a delayed eviction, when in fact it clearly states in the executive order that you have to you have to provide written notice to the landlord when there when you have a situation that falls under the executive yeah. order. So all of those cases where we're seeing the managers are calling us because obviously we handle right. a lot of the evictions for them, saying, "Look, I haven't heard anything from my resident. What do I do?" And our our response every time is, "You need to process. Like, you have a duty to your owners." Because I think a lot is what's forgotten, and you can probably address this really well, is this is hard on owners as well, right? It is. I mean, you're talking about the industry stepping up, which to me is incredible, mm-hmm. but the financial impact that they're taking right now. They're taking on a huge financial impact. And they're um, for our members that don't have the FHFA loans, which is the, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans, they, they're absorbing all of this. Under the at least under the FHFA loans, there is some mortgage forbearance, um, but we but the other loans, just commercial loans. There's no 
guaranteed forbearance. We are hopeful that the lending community is going to be working with our apartment communities, but there's no guarantee. Well, I and think it's, it's a. I think it's critical. I mean, we all remember back financially the, what happened in the real estate market, and everyone is concerned. I mean, this is the first time there's always, uh, it's always a pitch of like landlord versus tenant. They, the, right. the news tries to get it out there. But I've seen more recently, which I'm assuming again that you're behind that, is more articles are coming out saying, you know, the business journal, things like that, saying we're concerned about the apartment industry. They need help as well in terms Correct. of the finances. They need the lending. I know there's small business loan options there are, depending on how big the companies are. And you have to look at all of those options to be on the table. Um, so I guess going back though, because I did step forward a second on that, the tenants, if they're qualifying for this or they believe they are, they have to bring that document to the landlord, right? right. Any kind of Or document? they have to provide it if, for example, they did provide it to the to the constable when the constable comes to serve the writ then the, the constable could give them time and say you need to take this information to your landlord and then it could progress from there in an ideal situation they would share that information before this whole process even starts and that's really what we've been trying to communicate is talk to your property owner talk to your property manager if you have any concerns about making your rent yeah, the open dialogue. Work it out early. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to be at the backside of a writ when that happens. And even uh, just for our viewers here today, though, as well, if the residents do provide that information, that's not that automatic, again, that they're suddenly getting 120 days. It is that temporary delay that they potentially be entitled to. But we also know some people are going to try and scam the system. We're advising clients, like, if something seems fraudulent, something seems off, they have a right to still go to court, seek a motion to compel, and really question the validity of those things. It's not just resident puts out documents, everything stops. The landlords do have their own rights to protect mm -hmm. themselves. So I guess for That's me, correct. the question is, given I always like to call this the state of the industry is, where does the industry go from here? What can we do? Um, so first and foremost, I think the industry has to continue to work with our residents, just like we have been, um, continue to educate them on the relief that's coming, the direct payments, the unemployment. And um, the, the governor has a eviction prevention fund. Um, right now there's about $5 million in it. We have been pushing his office and we have been talking to legislators to let them know that that $5 million is a drop in the bucket and a lot more assistance is needed and is needed quickly. So we will be continuing to advocate for that. Um, we are working again, like I said, with our federal delegation, the, the fourth stimulus will hopefully occur as soon as they can get back to Washington and, and safely work. But, you know, we are hoping for a May-June opportunity to address the fourth stimulus. And there will have to be provisions in there for um, direct renter assistance or direct assistance to, to rental housing owners that have been impacted by this as a result of their residents not being able to pay their rent. So then you as the president and CEO of AMA, you obviously work with NAA to get these things done on a national level. So your job is you have to worry about what goes on in the national level and on the state level here in terms of, you know, Deucey's executive order came out, but the, the fighting's not done for you, correct? Oh, the fighting's never done for us. <laughs> <laughs> but even simple things, I think people may not realize, like what we're talking about with the writs about the constables for them to give this information to the tenants. You're working with the constables trying to get them the correct information as right. well, right? Right. And that will always impact, you know, what our landlords can do. Exactly. So I think it's critical. Um, and so I, I truly do thank you. I don't think a lot of people realize how much 
behind the scenes work is done to get us where we are. They just see, okay, well, there was a, an order that really impacts us negatively. How did we get here? Yeah. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. So not everybody wants to see that though, <laughs> but it's a, it's a labor of love. I mean, this, we, we are fortunate to work in such a great industry and, um, we love what we do. Yeah. And I'm honestly, like you said before, I'm, I'm truly impressed with how the management companies are coming to step up mm-hmm. to deal with the situations because the financial impact these are having, people see it day to day on their personal levels, but on a corporate level, they may not understand that Correct. this is really hard for the owners of these properties, mm-hmm. for the owners of these management companies. And I know you're out there fighting for them. So right. I, I, and what's, I mean, what is really concerning is, you know, some of our, some of our larger members and our national members it is going to be easier for them to weather this storm. The members that it keeps me awake at night is the member who has one or two rental units and it is their entire retirement or is their retirement income. And um, those are the ones that the members that are really going to be impacted by this. And we've got to do everything that we can to help all of our independent rental owners all the way up to our large property management companies and, and so you, you take that all, I assume, into account when you're talking to the governor's office, talking to the legislatures. Absolutely. And I'm, Absolutely. you're still talking to the legislators right now? On the phone and via text from six feet apart. Exactly. <laughs> I should have said that. We even, before we started, we measured that out here to make sure that we are still socially distanced. We are distanced safe, as safely we're getting out this information. distanced. All right. But honestly, Courtney, thank you for everything you do. Absolutely. Um, thank you for being here on the podcast. I think it's inc- incredibly important for our, for the members of the AMA, for our viewers to really see what's going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. of where we're going to go and how this is going to roll out for us. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much. Take care.